0: This week on the Off the Crossbar podcast, a wild, wild week 13 in the NLL that saw the Georgia Swarm lose both games on the weekend. The Calgary Roughnecks are on a three-game heater, and Zach Courier stops by to join us. We'll give you another round of box bets, keep the vibes positive, and a whole lot more this week right here on OTCB. Ladies and gentlemen, alongside Pat Gregoire, my name is Teddy Jenner, and boy have we got an absolute beauty for you tonight. Here come the Seals, and that one will count. It's a suck trick and a game winner for Byrd. Ellier swings in near side, grabbed there by Greer. Greer in front, Jackson shoots and scores. Casey Jackson.
1: Small to the outside. Oh. Driver scores. He's in the zone. Driver has two. Little drive, kick back to Shank, save made, rebound, Panesh all alone scores. Too much time for Ryan Panesh and he's got the hat trick. Now Josh Courier with it again. Courier has room, takes the shot, scores. Josh Courier gives his team the 12-11 lead. Crawford with a sense of urgency looks, jump, shoots, scores! What a goal by Callum Crawford! Well, oh, it's a 9-0. Run, make it 10. Make it 10. Eli McLaughlin's just showing off now. Save by Jamison and he'll outlet the yawning pass as it bounces into the net. And plenty of time left on the clock, so an empty net goal scored by the goaltender, Doug Jamison.
0: That might be the most calm goal call on a goalie goal <laughs> in NLL history. We all love John Gerler, but come on, man. Show some energy, even though it is the opposing team and your home team is losing. It's a freaking goalie goal. What are we even doing? Welcome back to the Off the Crossbar podcast. He is Pat Gregor. Find him on Twitter at Greggy, i am teddy jenner at teddy jenner the show at otcb underscore podcast or on the instas at otcb podcast uh, tongue in cheek but i am a little ornery at some things over this past week and that was just one of them but what a wild and crazy week 13 in the national lacrosse league patty what the hell is going on how was the dent in your couch
1: It was huge. I don't know if it's. I've actually been able to floof it out of the couch. Uh, It was great. Tried to stay up on that Friday night for NL. Hashtag NL after dark. Uh, I made it to the third quarter. For us East Coasters, absolutely. I mean, 11 o'clock start. That is is late. That's late. I, I, I made it to the third quarter. Fell asleep. And with my iPad on my chest, I woke up <laughs> with A.J. Canal going absolutely bananas on the broadcast. Not not for the game-winning goal. I actually woke up for that crazy disallowed goal and hear Nick Osello and... and Hit hey, AJ going on about that goal, the disallowed goal, how crazy it would have been if it counted, and then so I was like, "Oh, oh my God, we're in overtime!" And then, boom, next thing you know, next possession, Berg calls ball game. I slam, slam that iPad shut, with my keyboard on it, and went right <laughs> back to bed. But no, awesome week, some really great results, some shocking results, and uh, I think I don't know if we can say this year that there is or has been any dog days of the season. I think the unified standings has allowed us to dog days proof the season because there's no lulls in this season. There has been zero lulls and we're getting right into the March to May, which is the thick of things. So I'm, I'm all sorts of fired up to get down this stretch into the playoffs. Yeah.
0: There haven't been too many, like three game weekends or any of that. Yeah. I think, people would like to see a little bit of a staggered start when we have some of these busy Saturdays. We're going to get that a little bit this weekend with a 1 PM Eastern Calgary, Philadelphia game that kind of leads us through the whole weekend. And we get some Sunday action with San Diego and Toronto, but you're right. I think the unified standing has, has allowed, and I think they've compacted the season a little bit to kind of avoid those dog day kind of weekends. So um, big week 13, a massive week 14 coming up and, as we're seeing now, you know, even Vancouver being two and eight, they're still in every game. And sure, they're right on the brink of being, uh, you know, having to run the table to get to nine and nine. But definitely a team that can still compete, still ruin some team seasons and make a push up the standings. But I think that's just one of the best things about this unified standings is sure, we're seeing maybe the the upper echelon teams kind of pull away a little bit. But the second half of the standings is an absolute dog race, and when you look at how close these teams are, and you know how many games back, and 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 things like that, like one good weekend or one bad weekend, like look at Georgia losing two games this weekend, and now they're five hundred, dropped down to sixth, and they're they're three games out of first, but only you know a game ahead of 10. So I think it's just adding to the excitement of, of how these last seven, eight weeks are going to go in the National Cross League. I, I'm super looking forward to it just because of everything that's going to be on the line.
1: And I think this is where the, the cream starts to, to rise to the top. We've got two teams at eight and two, a Seals team at seven and three, and the Thunderbirds at seven seven and four. and But there is, like you said, from pretty much fifth place, so I think maybe you could definitely argue ninth place, but maybe even further down to about 11th. And I think it's a big week for for some teams here, most notably Philly, uh, Colorado, Vegas, Saskatchewan. Um, that that's Saskatchewan Colorado game on Saturday. Yeah. I think the loser of that game almost can can kiss their playoffs goodbye at yeah. that point. Yeah. It's gonna make it really challenging, especially Colorado, who's already played eleven games. I think the rush, I think you talked about it last week on on hot take with Philly. Um, they've only played nine games or only played eight games. So there is a little more that they can do to get back into the thing, thick of things. But with the trade deadline approaching, I think this 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 might be the year. I know there's been a lot of talk saying, ah, there's too many teams in the hunt thinking that they can still make it. I don't know, man. I feel like this is a year where we might actually see a few teams sell off at the deadline, start focusing for next year. And if you get in the playoffs, great, that's awesome. But we'll see what happens. But let's not sacrifice the future for maybe a potential short-term game in the immediate.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I definitely think that we're going to see some, some movement at this deadline. I think just the way, you know, free agency is going to be laid out in the next few years with some of these teams. I think you'll see some guys being moved at the deadline, especially, you know, if, if we're getting a, a wings team, that's three and seven or a Rochester or Colorado, a Colorado, that's four and eight, you know, we're definitely, we're definitely, I, I'm going to mark my words. You heard it here first. There are going to be some trades at this trade deadline uh, and it's going to be an exciting one. You know, one we always look forward to and we always hype up that it's going to be moves. uh, And then next thing, you know, no moves happen or nothing major happens. I think this might be the year we get to see some fun at the trade deadline, which is March 12th. For those of you keeping track at home, week 13 in the national lacrosse league, uh, we talked about the seals massive win In overtime as Westberg gets his sixth goal of the game, the sock trick, the winner, a massive win for the seal. But what was a tough start to the weekend for the Georgia swarm who end up dropping both gains by a total of just two goals, not what they were hoping to do in week 13, a split at best uh, would have been ideal winning two would have been unbelievable. But to drop two games when you were in both games is absolutely crushing for this Georgia Swarm team, who were one of the talks of the town to start the season. We all remember what they did last year, you know, starting 0-6 and going on that unbelievable run on the back half of the season. They kept that momentum up into this season. But now, whether it's teams getting film on Dauber or – Teams kind of isolating and singling out guys like Andrew Q and Lyle Thompson to to shut down that offense. But this was a really tough weekend for the Georgia Swarm, Patty.
1: Three, two, one. Yeah, it certainly was backbreaking, and, and as you mentioned, you know you blink, and now you're five hundred, but with the game this weekend against Halifax for our TSN doubleheader, I had an opportunity to talk to some of the guys on the team, Ed Camo and yes, the the two the two losses are are you know it, it does, definitely does weigh on them, but they they just more or less are more stressed on the fact that this is kind of a season long issue is that the, the fact that the consistency just isn't there. It's, it's just not there for that group right now. And it's not just a game-by-game game consistency. It's a shift-by-shift, shift, a quarter-by-quarter, a quarter, uh, uh, half-by-half. They feel that no lead, it doesn't matter if if they're up big, like no lead feels safe at the moment. And these double-header weekends or these, these you know, short turnarounds Uh, If you aren't playing consistent, it it can bite you. And George's team last year where a slow start plagued them with the unified standings at the end of it it might not just be a slow start that could hurt you. You could look back and look at those two wins there and say, even if we split them, maybe we're in the playoffs or maybe we're a a top five seed now. I mean, that that room for error just isn't there. It's just not there. And, And that's what makes the unified standings. So awesome.
0: We kind of joke about it each and every week, but is it truly time to start thinking about Westberg being an MVP?
1: You have to, you absolutely have to. He's the heartbeat of that offense right now. Uh, He scores big goals. He... You know, just does so many other little things for that offense, grabs loose balls, grabs repossessions. You know, he tries to eliminate reverse transition, runs hard to the bench. If he's got to go back on defense and and take a shift to to take away that transition, he'll do it. He's the captain. Uh, When you look at the value that he brings, he's got to be there. I know Austin Stott's having a hell of a year. Just one goal shy of 30. He's got 60 points. Berg's got 61. But with the, the load that those two are carrying right now, and I guess the emotional load, the leadership that you you go into it and add Berg, like, I'm sorry, you, you can't not have him. You know, you, you simply can't have him uh, not at the top of, maybe not necessarily the top, but if you're putting a ballot together, man, he's got to be on that ballot. He's got to yeah. be at least top three.
0: Oh, absolutely! It's like they're they're third in the NLL right now. If if they win two games this weekend, they're top the standings. If he has another big two games, like you, you have, like we all know, Nick Rose and Jeff Teet are are going to be up there, throw whoever else maybe into that mix. But what what Berg has done and steadily done for this Seals franchise. One of these days has to finally get appreciated. Only three guys on the team have more loose balls than him. Um, Trevor Baptiste, obviously. Kyle Rubish has one more than him at 64. And then Patrick Clears- has 70. So he's only got seven more than Westburg. Like, he's almost second on the team in loose balls as a forward. Like that just goes That's- to show the the hustle plays and all the extra stuff that Westburg does for this team. And yeah, I think the end of the day, he is going to be one of the finalists for MVP unless San Diego just absolutely lays an egg and goes winless the rest of the way, which definitely isn't going to happen. Uh, sidebar, go listen to Patrick Merrill on Coach's Call this week with Brad Chaloner. Uh, a fantastic conversation going into the mind uh, of Coach Merrill. And then also listen back to some of the other ones that he's done. It's, it's a really cool question line uh, throughout the whole conversation of every coach. Yes. Cause it's not breaking down games, not you know, looking ahead to games. It's more about philosophies and strategies and personal identity as a coach. So uh, go listen to Brad with Patty Maryland and some of the other coaches out there as well. Uh, the Colorado mammoth put an end to the New York riptide sort of strength of run uh, with a dominant performance. I don't think any of us saw that coming but man, it couldn't come at a better time for the Colorado mammoth who are near healthy, if not fully healthy. Uh, and you know, that was their best performance of the season.
1: It was convincing. And I, I don't know, I don't want to take anything away from, from what they did because it was impressive. And and the way that they were able to to just completely take over to that game was exactly that impressive. Um, but that second half performance from the Riptide was absolutely pitiful. Getting a outscore what's 12 to two yeah. in that second half. Um, I think they, they, they only had like about, I think it was like 15 shots or something mm-hmm. even in the second half. It was miserable. But again, you got to give credit uh, to Colorado for, for holding them to just that many shots. You got to give credit to the offense for coming to life and scoring those 12 goals in the second half. Um, But for as good as Colorado looked in that game, especially in the second half, especially down the stretch, um, man, oh man, that is a cause for concern. If you're the riptide where you think you flip your season on its head and then now you have two losses, where you get completely dominated in the second half. Mm -hmm. Um, Dan Latisseur and his coaching staff certainly back at the drawing board and trying to figure things out. There won't be panic because they've been here before. Um, That's just the, the nature of lacrosse. That's just the nature of this league. It is kind of a week by week week. But as we said, like now they're outside looking in. Two weeks ago, they were on the inside. They were the plucky underdogs. They were the hottest story in the NLL Two losses in a row, boom boom, and all of a sudden now you're back on the outside looking to try to get back into this playoff race. Uh,
0: in their last four second half quarters, so the game against Toronto and the game against Colorado, five goals. That not good is not how you get into the playoffs, and that is not what a playoff contending team will do. But you know, let, let's give some credit to. Pat Coyle, Dan McCray, and that defense because that is a very stout offense to try and shut down. And New York found a way, or sorry, Toronto found a way to do it uh at the same time, just like Colorado did, start of that second half. They really started pressing out, getting into hands, not giving clear shooting lanes for guides. And Dylan Ward was making the saves that Dylan Ward is supposed to make. Conversely, that offense broke out and when that happens, and, and that's the one thing we've been waiting for. Yes, like even last week we commented it was very un-Colorado-like to be allowing teams more than 12 goals a game. But more, more concerning was the fact that their offense wasn't helping their defense out. Their offense did everything they could to help their defense out this week. It was an incredible performance. Um, if they can continue to put it together, it will be interesting to see because – that is what championship teams do as they start to put wins together. So let's hope that this is a building block for the Colorado Mammoth. The Las Vegas Desert Dogs got a very confidence building win on the road in Rochester. That is a huge road win for Sean Williams Club, who you know moves up into sites of the playoffs, sitting in 10th at 4-6, and six, uh, a game essentially out of the playoffs right behind Calgary. Can they put things together? Because we finally saw Landon Kells play like a competitive number one goaltender. One quick
1: note before I do dive into that. This Desert Dogs team, they're road dogs, man. Three and two on the road. 53 goals scored. 53 against. They've just really struggled at home. One and four at home. They are the opposite of the Vegas Golden Knights. Yeah, Vegas Vegas Vegas, Golden Knights. (laughs) The Vegas flu uh, is actually for the home team <laughs> in the National Lacrosse League, which is just absolutely absurd. But Ty Merrill does a really good job. Uh, break, it was, it's, it's like, I mean, give yourself a, a victory lap, Ty, because that piece that he dropped, I think it was even on Friday night maybe, um, on his website about just how vastly underrated that Desert Dog defense was. And then they go out and shut down, say what you will about Rochester, because I think there are some not very flattering things you could say about that group right now. Mm-hmm. But one thing that they have been able to do this year is, is pepper goalies and find the way back their way to the back of the net. Vegas was able to stop it. Yeah, Landon Kells was great. Don't get me wrong, but that defense in front forced them into taking in, taking shots that they didn't want to take shots from, but they were forced into and in shots that Landon Kells wanted to see. That was a nice very tidy gritty yeah. victory for the desert dogs on the road they just got to figure out a way out to collect wins at home because you can't you can't have a losing record at home and expect to make the playoffs i'm sorry it's just not going to happen
0: no it's not um i know we don't want to rag on them when they're down What are the nighthawks all but out
1: oh man uh, something's got to change really fast for this group that, I mean, they've said it a billion times now. Like, just the the losses they continue to to gather. You, mm-hmm. you you know, you're in big trouble. They're they're in 14th. Yeah. They what was it? Three, four weeks ago, they were you know hovering around in that playoff spot somewhere. They have so many teams that they have to jump. They're they're three and six. Yeah. Um, they've lost six games in a row, Teddy. That's the quietest <laughs> yeah. six-game losing skid I think I've ever seen. Um They're in big trouble. Something's got to happen if they want to get back into it or maybe they realize, you know, with the loss of Hartley. Um, That's your math. We
0: can't undersell that.
1: No, and I think at the start of the year – sorry, not the start of the year, but when that happened, Hutchcraft was at least holding down the fort. Yeah. and it wasn't on him. And I'm not saying it is – It still is on or isn't on him. He definitely needs to be better. They need better quality goaltending to win some of these games. I think if you, again, another plug for Ty, look at this. This is wild, man. (laughs) The the amount of pub I'm giving him, I'm sick to my stomach. Um, But if you look at his goal saves against, uh, you know, metric of uh, expected saves, I think Hutchcraft is, is dead last amongst all starters. And if you are a team that is battling for a playoff spot, you need, you need better than average goaltending. You can't have bol- like well below average goaltending. That just simply can't happen. I don't care how many goals Ryan Smith and, and, and Connor Fields are scoring each and every week. It just can't happen. And that's another thing with the offense. As dynamic and electric as they are, They need more than just Fields and Smith. Fields, 60 points in nine games right now. That's phenomenal. Smith, 57 in nine games. That's phenomenal. Uh, Ryan Lansbury, 37 in eight. That's too big of a drop-off. And then the drop-off is even more drastic after that. McCombie, 27 in nine. Waters, 23 in nine. Hazen, 17 in eight. That can't happen. Like You need more than just two guys. In the NLL, if you're going to be a competing team for the postseason because teams are going to key in on their top guys. And even if they aren't able, they say, you know what, Smith, Fields, they're going to get theirs. They don't have enough, though, to knock us off and beat them just by two guys. If we can shut down those other guys and not allow them to go off and Fields and Smith still get their five, six, we're fine with that. But I think that's what happened with Vegas. I think Sean Williams, that coaching staff said it. Fields get six and Smith get six, or whatever. That's fine. Let's not let McCombie or Waters or Lanchbury go off. And if you look at the stat sheet, Teddy, that's exactly how it played out. Fields three and three, Smith two and four. And then after that, McCombie only one and one. Lomas one and one. Waters one and one. Lanchbury just two assists. Knight two. Mind you, Knight first game back. He might add that might be a, a little bit of a jolt on offense that they might be looking for, but, um, really, 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 really concerned for this group. I almost think it's like at the point now where it's you start thinking about the future. I don't know what, what the, I I probably should have taken a look to see what contract status for some of these guys are. They are a really young team. You never want to give up per se on a season, but, I don't think Dan Carey's picking up the phone anytime soon and, and thinking about mortgaging his future to just try to get to the playoffs at this point. That just doesn't really make sense to me with how young this group is.
0: No, I, I don't think I don't think they're gonna be sellers at all. Um I'm just looking at their draft to see what's coming in. Uh Graydon Hogg, Ben McDonnell, he's there. Um Jake Doolittle. Jake Pesino, defensive help, if he you know can really convert into the indoor game. So, you know, again, this isn't on Hutch, but the the continued loss in the last few seasons of Ryland uh, Hartley has been just detrimental to this night off team because they have all the pieces there. They, they have a great young defense. They obviously have a great young offense. Incredible leaders in that room, and a GM that you know can build. Uh, a, a competitive club just unfortunately they've not had the success in net and largely in part due to the injuries to ralphie so um that that that's a concern um they've got Panthers city this weekend then back-to-back games against albany leading into the deadline and that's you know i think where you might see you know some teams maybe call for a, a an older d guy or or something like that but you're not trading a Ryland reese you're not getting rid of any of your top old guys so Um, it'll be it'll be interesting i don't again i don't see them in sellers uh major players at the deadline but you know some teams might try to swap a second for uh for a d guy of some sort that might be coming up in free agency or something like that so um vancouver at toronto uh, kurt Miloski going with aiden walsh and speaking with mouse this week he said you know what the he gave aaron bold the first half of the season and and Boldy was good he wasn't outstanding uh you know the games that they won Boldy was above 80 percent the games that they lost um that they weren't really in he was well below 75 so you know Mouse needs to see what he has and he can't just rely on you know Aiden Walsh getting a few backup minutes and coming in when the game's kind of out of hand he needs to be able to see what this young man has between the ears he needs to have him get some confidence in himself and I think that was a fantastic game by young Aiden Walsh and I thought the defense was good in front of them. Uh, I thought they really limited what Toronto could do. It was unfortunate that the, that Tom Schreiber woke up and they started getting some, some goals sweeping across the top on Walsh that, that opened that game up. But Kurt Mosky said after the game, you know, they played 56 really good minutes. It was just one tough stretch where they gave up three or four in a row and the rock were able to pull away. And unfortunately Vancouver's offense just couldn't get it done. But if Aiden Walsh can, can give them those kind of minutes, I, I think they have all the confidence in that young man.
1: This, this season's super frustrating for, for a magnitude of reasons, but. You know, if you, if you go back to that Colorado game, they lost in overtime. Yeah. Key and balls hand may or may not have touched it. Let's just say you, you flip that. Yep. They go, they go two and three. Then they lose to, to, to the roughnecks, you know, it wasn't their night. They go to two and four, then they beat Saskatchewan instead. Now they're three and four. You go to Colorado, they end up, you know, losing their are back to, you know, three and five. Then you go to that Georgia game again, another controversial. Like there are a few of these wins where you flip them the other way and, this could be a completely different season. With that being said, though, it's like you get up to four wins, five wins. Sure, you're at least in the mix, but how much does that really change? Maybe you have more of a self or a you know a sense that isn't quite there. It's a false sense of of hope. Mm-hmm. At this point, you're two and eight, you're out of it. Figure out what you have figure out what you have with Walsh figure out with what you have with some of these young guys in the lineup, give other guys more minutes, figure things out, hand the keys over to some of these younger guys. And is this a, an opportunity to sell off some guys? I think so for sure. I think some of the older regime guys that were around have been around for a while you know maybe maybe it's an opportunity for for them to get a fresh start somewhere else maybe it's an opportunity to get a little bit younger to to get more picks we're seeing what this organization can do when they actually do have draft picks yeah and they're doing some really good things uh, if they can get even more uh it's gonna only help them they got haley they've got cormier coming in handy you know and handley is it
0: handley Why can't I – why is his name escaping me? Uh, Brock Haley, Peyton Cormier. uh, They got the Alex Satakis kid. Uh, Sam Handley is what I'm thinking of. Right, right. He's coming in. I think they're very high on him. He's 6'5", 215, um, goes to Penn. They think he can be a bit of a game changer for him in a few different areas. So, yeah, their future is bright. They just got to they, they, – they, the ultimate thing, and we continue to talk about this again, it's not on the goaltenders, but they need to find a goaltender, a serviceable one that will give them 78% save percentage and you know a 10-2 goals against. They need to find that, and they need to find out if Aiden Walsh can be that guy. And this past weekend, he showed him. Now he's got to put it together for another weekend, and it's another big test as Buffalo comes to town this weekend. But I think at the end of the day, if you're Vancouver, that's a great performance. Conversely, for The Rock, very banged up. But they were able to find a way to win in what was a slugfest of a lacrosse game. I I don't think they'll look back on the game negatively. They'll just kind of, great, we got the win. It wasn't our best. Let's just move on.
1: It's almost like survive in advance mode right now for the Toronto Rock. No Dan Craig. I think it's very apparent you look at that offense without him. And yeah, maybe he's not as valuable as, let's say, a Tom Schreiber or a Mark Matthews. But he's not that far off in considering how valuable he is because of the things that he can do. Yeah, Um, he's so instrumental. he's, He's so, so important to that offense. I think you look at a guy like Chris Boucher, and again, the, the ball just not quite. You know he has two, but the, the luck is just not on his side this year. I thought that was probably one of his best games after being a, a healthy scratch in Montreal. He looked engaged. He was getting to the the dirty areas of the floor. He was mixing it up. That's kind of the player that they expected when they brought him in. And, and it, I do kind of feel feel for Bushy for a little bit because they weren't expecting Tom Schreiber not to start the year for that long, especially as well. Yeah, Bushy on that right side then became the ball carrier, which he's not doing. He's the guy that was the trigger man from the outside, which he hasn't done since he played for Burlington Junior A. He was kind of playing outside of a position that he wasn't used to. And then when Schreiber then came back, then finally, as he was starting to get used to playing one way, he had to go back to where he was playing. And uh, unfortunately for him, you know, when you're going through a slump and the ball's not dropping for you, it just magnifies everything else. I think if he can get going, if he can start scoring the ball, if him and Tom Schreiber can really build that chemistry in the two-man game, that's that's only going to open up another dynamic. Corey Small, like only had five shots on goal two assists like a very pedestrian game from small considering how hot of a stick he had but you know we're nitpicking here and there they yeah. came out with a 9-5 win the defense was phenomenal even with missing uh disnew and Juvenville. i thought they were great i thought nick rose was phenomenal and i think they're just going to take it game by game and and really just try to get through this get as healthy as they can and at the end of the day, I think they're clearly in win-down mode. They have first-round picks, which they haven't had in, in quite some time. Does Jamie Dowick continue the trend? And at the deadline, does he look to add more? We don't know really how long these other guys are going to be out. Can they sit on the hands? Do they maybe go and, and, and make a move before that? I, I really don't know. I just think that maybe even Jamie Dowick's not even looking that far ahead in advance. And this coaching staff is just saying, let's just take it game by game. Let's win. Let's survive in advance. Chip away. We're at the top of the standings, you know, with Albany. And let's, let's, let's just take care of the task at hand. And unfortunately for them this weekend, it's it's a tall task with a pretty busy slate of two games on the West Coast. Do you know when the last
0: time Matt Vince did not play play like dress for a national lacrosse league game?
1: I believe it was the Cold War, or was it the... (laughs) It is a very, very long time. I think, what, 06, maybe? The last game he
0: didn't play before he dressed in every single game of his further career was April 9th, 2006, A 9-8 loss for San Jose at Minnesota in overtime. He had played two games before that. And then he played, he backed up in the last two games of the year at Arizona and then home to Arizona. And then he is dressed, if not started, every single game since leading up to this past weekend. What an unbelievable run.
1: That is that is insane. I it just goes to show like the longevity, the that it, it just makes it so much more impressive from what we're seeing. I'm actually just scrolling back to see when the last time he did not start a game. And apologize. I apologize, folks, because it's been quite some time. April twenty ninth, two thousand and seventeen. Uh was Rochester at Georgia. that was the last time he didn't start. Yeah. He did drink that game, of course, but he yeah. did not start that game. That is absolutely banana lands.
0: <laughs> so he's played 278 games. He only played four his rookie year. So that's uh, 278. Let's less it by two. So, so 276. 276 straight appearances in a game backup or starter or backup. Ridiculous. But unfortunately, and we had this conversation with Steve Dietrich leading up to our game this weekend, it's put their goaltenders, their backup goaltenders in really tough situations Mm -hmm. because they haven't had to play very much. And, in Buffalo, they've been a little more lenient in taking Vino out of games that are out of hand, or or pulling him in games where they're not leading, or either way out of hand. Conversely, Colorado never takes Christian Del Bianco out of that, ever. Mm-hmm. So it put you know guys like Devin Shanahan and Doug Buckin in really tough spots. You know now we see Devlin Shanahan get his first start in the National Cross League, and he was okay, but he looked like a deer in headlights at times because his first ever start was in front of 17,000 fans at home in Buffalo. Mm -hmm. So as good as Vino has been, I think it's always been sort of a catch 22. Yeah. You got the best in the world, but what do you got behind you when you haven't had to rely on them? So this is a big stretch for the bandits and Devlin Shanahan to get through this Matt Vince injury, who knows how long it's going to be.
1: I mean you you're you talk to some of these guys, you talk to Chugger, you're you're doing the game this week, and like what is the vibe around that team? What, like you know, Josh Burns, you know, still had six points, three goals, three assists. Smith still had his six assists. Kluche, I thought I thought Kluche had a really, really good game, but like did. it seems in this games they lose, they get a lot out of their top guys, and it's the cast around them that doesn't and in the games that they do win it's a guy like Fraser going off for a big night it's a you know you know Buchanan has a big game or even I know Doak has been been out a lot this year and you know I I don't know how healthy he even is right now Um, it just if to me it's something's off with that offense to begin with. And then now the defense you talked about, it puts the defense or the, the goaltenders in a rough spot. Now it puts the defense in a rough spot because they're completely changing the philosophy. Now how they've played defense for the last, what four seasons, because the way they played D was the way that Matt Vince wants to see shots. I don't know if that's the same for Shanahan, but the defense looked, it looked a lot different than, and, and I thought the defense actually, for the most part was pretty good. Yep. Um, the penalty kill got torched in the first half. They made the adjustments in the second half. I thought five on five defensively, they actually were pretty stout. But 10 goals for at home for Buffalo is simply not good enough. No. And inexcusable, to be quite yeah. honest.
0: the The general consensus is they've been in a lot of games. You know, the ones that they've lost they haven't really ever truly been blown out, I don't think, this year um they've shot themselves in the foot a lot there is still a ton of belief and confidence in that room talking with some of the guys and the the big losses have been Bomberry Ethan O'Connor and Bryce Sweeting like they haven't been able to replace those guys Mm -hmm. and they've tried with some of their younger defensemen and and it's it's hard like Bryce Sweeting as much as he kind of flies under the radar was the glue for that back end on the left hander side Like he got so many big matchups and just shut guys down and was in guys' faces. You didn't want to have to muck it up with a guy like that. And and they just haven't, and that's been a huge thing for them. Is not being able to replace those three guys within that defense. And they were playing a, you know, very specific style of defense in front of Matt Vince. And Devlin Shanahan isn't Matt Vince in In you know legacy, in gameplay, in style, and personality, or whatever. So I think they are going to have to try to make some adjustments over these next few weeks to you know let that defense work with Devlin, and they might have to you know might not look like your regular Buffalo Bandit defense. They might have to pack it in a little bit more, even more than what they already do. So it'll be interesting to see how they respond. Um, as the Firewolves take both games this season from the Buffalo Bandits, when did you ever think you would say that?
1: One thing that I did notice and I, I observed, and as good as a season as Ian McKay is having, because I think he's you know in conversation for transition player of the year, the element of 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 transition offense. Has been missing from Buffalo. Yes. And I think that could also help with some of the woes that the offense goes through. The fact that we don't see them go on those crazy offensive runs. Because yes, when the ball's spinning around and and Burns scoring a nasty goal and and Smith breaks someone's ankle and you know Fraser scores a beauty, whatever it may be when we do they go on those runs it's also other guys chipping in in transition maybe a win off the face-off face-offs that's another thing with that that group right now which is is a mess (laughs) yeah via lax metrics cooper perkins the buffalo bandits have the third most breakaways uh, in the nll only the calgary roughnecks and georgia swarm have more Bandits oh, have I wouldn't four. have guessed Georgia, by the way. I wouldn't have either. So the Bands have had 20 breakaways, and they've only scored four of the wow. Breakaways. Whereas you look at a team like Calgary, who have had 36 breakaways, <laughs> 20 of them have been Shane Simpson. <laughs> they've scored on 17 of them. Jesus. 47.2 percent. That's unreal. Georgia, 26 breakaways, they've scored nine of them so not quite as uh, as good of a percentage no as calgary but still everybody. 30 34.6 that's crazy they're generating the chances and that's yeah. not even that's not even including two on ones that's not including three on twos that's not including other uh, like transition
0: yeah, opportunities that's just, that's just
1: clear cut breakaways <laughs> you got to convert man you got to you got to score more than Four breakaway goals a year, and I I can guarantee you probably McKay's got at least one or two of those. Yeah, so where are the other goals in transition come from? Yeah, and, good I, point. and that just that's something that with seeing you know being on the East Coast, watching them through the last two playoffs, you know, seeing that group up close and personal, uh, a lot of those crazy runs that the, the bandits go through, you know, through games a couple of those transition goals. And sometimes those transition goals, like a Nick, Wee scoring a yeah. Ian McKay scoring, maybe it's a Robinson, a Spanger sometimes, especially in banditlet, like, well, obviously in banditlet, but sometimes <laughs> those goals actually get an even bigger ovation from, Oh the, yeah. From yeah. yeah. And that gets the offense gets them going. So to me, that is maybe I'm nitpicking here, but no, you know, I,
0: that's, that's a very good point.
1: That's a taking, very good point. taking a little bit of pressure off your offense as a defense scoring those transition goals. That just, that just allows your offense to breathe a little bit more. Yeah.
0: And when you're getting, you know, two, three, a night out of your back end, that that's when that 10 goals a game turns into 12, 13 goals a game. Yeah. It, and it just, it can completely turn around a team season. Um, Speaking of turning a team season around, a massive, massive win for the Halifax Thunderbirds in Saskatchewan. Eight points from Peterson, seven from Shanks, six each from Stotts and Banesh. This was easily their best performance, Uh, obviously one of Saskatchewan's worst. But this is a, we're not going to say a must win for a team that's, you know, still in the playoffs and sitting in fourth and, you know, having a very good season. But this could be a defining win for them.
1: Winners, five of the last six. They had that really bad loss to, to Calgary where it just felt like everything was not yeah. going away. And even when they close the gap, then wheels fall off. You know, Micah Cursey gets tossed. A bunch of guys are getting game misconducts in 10 minutes. And you're, you're thinking, like, okay, you know, well, what's going to happen against Saskatchewan? Well, they put that completely in the back burner. And Jake Withers actually said that in itself might have been the best thing for them is that they got a dose of reality and yeah. they, you know, coming off that massive win against Buffalo a team that they've, you know, have played really well against, but haven't been able to finish them off. So getting a punched in the mouth, there was actually really good for the group. It, it leveled them. It realized, yeah, we're playing really good, but it's not going to be handed to us. And for as impressive putting up 19 against Saskatchewan and how great their offense looked, I think, allowing six against the rush on the road Mm -hmm. in a blowout is more impressive to me because you've been in games before where you're blowing out a team and you know it's so easy for the defense just to take the foot off the gas they did none of that and kudos to warren hill two really really shaky performances last weekend Mm -hmm. he gets yanked you know, his backup ends up getting away against Buffalo. You could argue the most important win up until that point in their season. Then he goes into Calgary, gets yanked, comes back in, starts to play pretty well in the third, and then wheels fall off again in the fourth. He has a short memory and goes out and just plays so sound, shutting the door against Saskatchewan. And I think that does so much for his confidence. It does so much for his team's confidence, knowing that, okay, He's back. He's looking good. He's got our back. We've got his back. And this, this Halifax team is just playing with a just a crap load of confidence right now, man.
0: We'll talk with Zach Curry of the Calgary Roughnecks in a little bit. But to quote him, uh, the Roughnecks are back, unquote. Um, they get a win over Philadelphia. They're back in Philadelphia this weekend for an afternoon game. So we'll hear more from Zach about the Roughnecks and everything, but they get a a big win as they're the hottest team in the NLL right now on a four-game winning streak. Uh, And then the game on Sunday, Georgia at Panther City. Panther City, Patty, scored three goals in the final three minutes to hand Georgia their second loss of the weekend. Panther City has been in a lot of these close games, and so many times they are making these crazy comebacks or giving up these crazy comebacks what does this win do for a team like panther city when we talked about you know the the big win for vegas getting them kind of going but now panther city's sitting in fifth you know they're they're a game back of a uh, hosting i don't honestly i love you tk <laughs> i love everybody in that organization i do not want to see a home game in panther city so i do hope they finish fifth but they will be a scary team in the playoffs if they keep this up.
1: They quietly put together four yeah. wins in their last five. Since lo- like losing those three games in a row, like they have been, you could argue, one of the more consistent teams in the NLL since, I guess, the, the turn of the calendar. Yep. And it's been in different ways, too, which is so impressive for this group. You put up 21 against the Desert Dog. You beat the Riptide by putting up 14. Um, you know, you you overtime win against the Mammoth. And then arguably your most impressive victory. I know it's I know it's Georgia coming off a of back-to-back, but you know, it looked we'll an easy. Game. No, and they looked like they were going to run away with it and then Georgia starts closing the gap and then you're in a ball game like for for me, it's just for a team that I was kind of having it as a knock on them that they didn't have an identity. Now I'm also I'm starting to think that it's not that they don't have an identity. They can just play in different types of games. Mm-hmm. And that is scary for a team looking at them going into the playoffs, especially if they're a lower seed. They're a team that can win on the road. They can win on, at home. They can win in a shootout they can win in a, in a grinded out battle. This group right here is playing really good lacrosse and they're going under the radar. And that's exactly like how this group wants it to be. So very positive of you, Pat. Let's keep it going. Well, we got to stay positive, right? We got to give them that positive vibes only.
0: Down in San Diego, they unveiled the new Rady Children's Field. as uh, their new practice, faci- practice field. Uh, it is uh, an unbelievable setting down there in San Diego. The SEALs, Rady Children's Hospital, and the YMCA all coming together to just create an incredible place for young kids, young athletes, to just continue to find the love of this great game. Uh, Cam Holding was down there, a bunch of the SEALs, people from Children's Radio, the Y. It was a great unveiling. Obviously, Knockaround Field Field is just one of the spectacles of the NLL, just for a team to have a, an outdoor practice facility. But now they built another one in, in the Southern California market, just continuing to create their footprint in that area and helping to grow the game just uh, a great endeavor a great um thing to see would love to see more teams create this obviously san diego is in a very unique <laughs> uh weather yeah. climate environment for all the other teams in the national lacrosse league so they do have the luxury of this but just creating more ways to play lacrosse in an area where it's not very much very play not played very much uh is just awesome to see very very cool news
1: yeah, it's it's really it's such a beautiful facility. Shout out to to the seals and everyone who was involved in in getting that. It's going to be big for for the growth of box across down there. And you know, I had an up close personal look at uh, you know the Royals of of the U.S. Box and the NCBS. What a program they have! I can only imagine that's going to help them even more. Um, I'd love to see. Yeah, I'd love to see more teams that can do the outdoor box, but Hey, even if you can't, it would be great to, you know, if there's, you know, old arenas that maybe, you know, don't have ice going in anymore. Like Mm. having, having some NLL teams partner with, with partners and different uh, local charities to maybe give a facelift of an old arena. That's that can be repurposed as a year long box lacrosse uh, facility uh we're i think here in ontario we're just so blessed that we have the ila and we have the the track yeah Um, but not everywhere in north america is lucky enough to have that so i mean no surprise the seals um you know world class when it comes to a lot of these things not surprised they've done it um not the first time they've done something thinking outside of the box and it probably won't be the last but it you know kudos to them for doing that your positive of the week, Mister Gregoire. Uh, my positive. Let me turn off my Slack notification. Oh, that's guys. you. I was like, what, why is my computer, like, my Slack's? called? I mean, I mean, it could be you as well. I know we are in <laughs> the same Slack group, so it, it it could it could be both of us. Um, my my AirPods died. That's that's what happened, folks. I'm grinding.
0: Everything is going wrong. There's a thunderstorm, thunderstorm in February in Ontario. Pat doesn't know what to do. He's
1: panicking. He's in his bunker. And I don't know what I'm doing here because I'm I might get roasted for this. We know this is a box lacrosse show, bring it. But I'm gonna I'm gonna give I'm gonna give love to the outdoor game and at one point the number one prospect in professional field lacrosse, Pat Spencer, uh-huh. from former first overall PLL pick, the all-time NCAA uh, assist leader. Signed a two-way contract with the Golden State Warriors and made his NBA debut. Actually amazing to see. I mean, this is this is a guy that you know won the Tuaraton, was literally the best prospect, but said, you know what, lived out a childhood dream, went over, played, um, you know, played basketball in your. I think he finished off his uh his NCAA eligibility, though, first playing college hoops, and then yeah. um, you know played pro, uh, and then just grinded his way in the G League, and and now he's you know a bench guy for the Golden State Warriors. <laughs> uh, That's it's crazy. like pretty remarkable. Just goes to show you how good of an athlete he is, and you know that door will be open, Pat. Whenever you want to come back to the game of cross, the invite is there. So I just. I think that's such a cool story and in itself as well. It's it's great positive spin for the game of lacrosse because that just goes to show you kids like, you know, keep playing every sport you can keep doing it. it look at John Tavares. Look at, look at uh, Pat Spencer. These are guys that played at an elite level for a very long time. Spencer, even more. I mean, the guy played college lacrosse yeah. before he switched over. Um, playing multiple sports is is not a bad thing. In fact, it's a great thing. It's a great way uh, to improve your athleticism, cross-train and and maybe you'll play in the NBA one day. Hey.
0: You never know. Imagine if Pat Spencer wins an NBA championship before he wins a professional lacrosse championship.
1: I know the Warriors have been struggling. Um they're not the Warriors of old, but no, but her team, hey, they get in the playoffs. Anything can happen with Steph Curry.
0: Anything can happen. Uh, Zach Courier of the Kaga Roughnecks is hoping his team can make another run through the National Crossing playoffs. They're currently sitting at eight five and five, winners of three straight, and they got to go to Philadelphia. Probably won't get a whole lot of brotherly love in the afternoon, but he joins us this week on the Off the Crossbar podcast. Joined now by Zach Curry of the Calgary Roughnecks, the Water Dogs and uh the PLPA. How are you, brother? I guess I'm good. Not like How are the you? PLPA anymore. It's the NLLPA. <laughs> retro. Retro, retro PLPA. PLPA. I'm old, man. What's going on?
2: Not too much, just uh gearing up for Philly.
0: Yeah, uh speaking of Philly, I guess this kind of came as breaking news. Uh, the Water Dogs coach, Philly Water Dogs, Andy Copeland announced that he was stepping down on Thursday or sorry, on Wednesday was that news to you did you have a sense that it was coming
2: um news to me for sure uh I know that he has had his frustrations um dealing with the PLL and just kind of some things that he wanted to see done that that weren't done and uh for whatever reason they, he always seemed to be put in a bad light from the league which uh I never really understood. He was a great coach. He obviously was a very successful coach brought us to the championship two years in a row, one of which we won. Um, he's an awesome guy, really supportive, tough to see him go, but, uh, have all the respect in the world for, for cope and, uh, wish him all the best, uh, him and Kate and, and their three kids. So they'll be having some fun summers, probably, drinking some Mai Tais watching the dogs <laughs> play on ESPN instead of being on the sidelines. So, um, I'm sure he'll still be supporting us, but yeah, always tough to see someone that you care about, uh, leave the, leave the organization.
0: Were you watching the championship series and what did you think?
2: I watched a bit of it. Um, I watched the water dogs game specifically and just sent him my notes. It's really fast pace. Obviously the two point arc is something that I never really experienced in, in Alabama when I was playing. So the game style is, is a little bit different. And um, the nuances are really tough to kind of figure out. I feel like you gotta, you gotta be in there and playing to, to realize some of the gameplay. Um, but overall, a ton of talent on the field, um, exciting, fast paced, lots of goals. So hopefully the fans enjoyed it, but um, yeah, I only got to watch, I think two or three games. And then I was, I was either playing or coaching camps. I was coaching rough next camp during the finals, but I was getting updates. So Never caught that game, but I uh, heard it was a good one.
0: Uh, you know, let's let's move to the Kage Roughnecks and just the the continued growth of Alberta lacrosse. We're seeing it with the talent that's coming into the league each and every year. Now, um, what are you seeing out of the growth of Alberta as you continue to do these types of camps? I'm
2: seeing the the level of coaching has really increased even in my time there in the past five, six years, um, just seeing how qualified these coaches are, um, in the area and teaching these kids from a young age is, is really important. Um, so, and that's, that's number one. And number two is just the overall volume of kids. Like, I'm not sure if you've ever been in the Calgary soccer center when there's a a day lacrosse, but there's there's four, five, six fields littered with kids ripping around the floor, chucking balls around. So really cool to see, and uh, it's it's going to be a bright future for Alberta lacrosse, and I think the Roughnecks have a big part in that with uh, just obviously having having the games and having the kids out watching us play. And then we revamped our Roughnecks Academy. We've had over a 100, 150 kids coming through different age groups, boys and girls. So. Um, this has by far been the biggest year we've had on the on the roughnecks camp side of things. So very promising future for Alberta Lacrosse. And, like you said, there's already a ton of big names. in, in the NLL already, you see Dan Taylor coming off a really hot performance this past weekend, Calgary Boy. So great to see that and and we're seeing more of that um, each weekend, no matter where you're looking around the league.
0: we We started our conversation talking about, you know, the departure of Andy Copeland. Um, the Calgary Roughnecks had the departure of Kurt miloski during the off season. Josh Sanderson comes in and brings his whole staff. What was that process like for you guys as a team? Since most of you have always, you know, the guys that have been that nucleus have only ever been coached by Kurt at the NLL level. What was the transition like for you guys? It was uh, a bit, I guess I would say funky. Uh,
2: just even from like the first whistle blowing, I'm used to like, I'll I'll like practice starts i'll grab a ball and i'll do my thing and it's like oh wait we're doing something different so just from from an overall perspective uh things were different and that's not a good or a bad thing they were just a bit different i think it took us some time as players to understand what we can expect from coaches and what they're going to expect from us and vice versa same with them and just kind of finding our our new roles and when we can speak up and and when we can't, and when they want us to speak up and when they want us to kind of shut up and play. So uh different situation than, than with mouse and just a bit of a transition period, as I'm sure you saw with our record at the start of the year, we lost a couple of close games and we're under the, under the 500 mark, but we've, we've clawed back. I think the roughnecks are, are back. I can officially say the roughnecks are back and <laughs> we're uh we're a team, a dangerous team now, and uh, that's with all the hard work from our players and our staff. And Shooter is a, a winner on the floor, and he's a winner as a coach, too. Like He wants nothing more than us to go out there and and win by 10 and, and have fun after the game. So um, really excited for our future. Tough that uh, Kurt left and went to Vancouver, but also excited for him and his family. Um, I know his his kids are going to be happy that he's around, and they'll be able to get involved with the the Vancouver organization a little bit more. So happy for him, sad to see him go, but uh, we'll always be friends. We'll be close. We have that championship in 2019, so we'll walk forever together, like he says, and uh, hopefully we can get a couple more more, uh, championships in Calgary moving forward. But obviously those stories are yet untold.
1: You mentioned how there was like never any panic. You guys trust the process. You figured you guys would figure out and yes, breaking news as first reported by Zach career, the roughnecks are back. Um, But during that time, you could still see that there were some senses of frustration. And I think frustration is different than disbelief. Uh, How, like, how do you balance that? Because I feel like if you guys weren't frustrated that you were losing games and tight games that would be an issue. So as a leader of this group, like, I guess it's kind of a roundabout question, but like, if it felt like you guys knew you could turn around, but you were still pissed off that it wasn't coming that quickly. Is that a safe assumption to say?
2: Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're, you're not wrong there. And I think that I'm going to put that in a positive light and say that we're frustrated because we know how good we are and Mm -hmm. shooters frustrated because he knows how good we are. And we know how good Shooter is and and even Phil and Troy and Cabes. Like we have a great support staff and we know our potential and it was frustrating not living up to it. Um, so when we know what we have in our locker room and we know where we want to go. And obviously the, the eyes are on a championship. If your eyes aren't on a championship at the start of the year, like why are you even playing? So um, half of that was probably us just, being frustrated with where we can be. And we weren't there even when we were, we were winning games there for a bit. There was still a bit of frustration in the room because we could have been a lot better. Um, but at this point, we're in a great spot. Uh, the locker room is, is, is extremely positive. Everyone has everyone's back. Um, we have unreal communication between players and coaches at this point. It's taken us a bit of time, but um, I can confidently say that we are in a great spot and uh, really, really excited for what we can do for the rest of this year and moving forward.
0: Talk to your frustration, and you and I kind of joked about it earlier in the season when when you were kind of going scoreless. But you know, as a guy that's had success in this league and and been so dominant at times, what was that stretch of games like, where just the ball wasn't falling? You know, to your own credit, you mentioned that you know, you were making some bad decisions in transition. Uh, what was going on in your head, you know, during that time?
2: I wish I knew. Um, <laughs> I wish I knew what was going on in my head on the floor, but um, no, it's, it's, I think a, I, I had a big reflection period the past three, four weeks. And there's a lot of things that I was doing off the floor last year and in years prior that I wasn't doing. Um the the mental side of the game where I'm doing some visualization and things like that. I've done religiously the past couple of years. And for whatever reason, maybe I just forgot that I, that that's important or maybe with the change, it just went by the wayside, but um, I hadn't been doing it this year. And, and uh, I just need to get back to doing all the things that made me successful in the past. And then the other piece of it is that I just got to keep playing. I can't get frustrated. Um, I need to make the next play. This game is a matter of inches. Like you take this year, I've hit four posts. If, if those four, four shots go in, we're probably not having this conversation. So it's a, it's a game of inches. Um, and last year, those, those shots were going posting in and this year they might be going posting out, but I got to just stick to the process and make sure that a, I'm being very responsible defensively and b getting the ball, running up the floor, being confident, making good decisions. Um, and try to put it all together. And hopefully the second half of the season, we can see more fall, but um, that's also not the end all be all for me. If I can stay back in my end and keep the ball out of our net and throw the ball to Shane Simpson, who's on an absolute heater this year, I'm, I'm fine with that too. So we have a ton of weapons on the back end, and our transition game is still strong. So uh, not too much of a concern for me that I'm personally not scoring because we are as a team. Um, but yeah, obviously would be, would be fun to put a couple in the net. So hopefully I can do that for the rest of the year.
1: You mentioned, uh, Shane Simpson, like lapping the field in breakaways, which is just ridiculous, but Harris, uh, Matsuoka sneakily getting into the conversation. He's now really found his, his spot on this team, especially in that transition game. Where have you seen his evolution since joining this team a few seasons ago?
2: He has always been the hardest worker on our team. So I think it's just, it's about time that he's kind of broke through that barrier. Mm-hmm. Um, we all see how hard he works. He's the most positive person on our bench. He's he's like your personal cheerleader. If I go make a good play, he comes up to me and tells <laughs> me how good I am. <laughs> so um, he's amazing. Um, great teammate and really happy to see him having success this year and it's just like a matter of time before before those were falling for him. He works his tail off, and he's always the first one to the bench, sprinting no matter what the time, score, situation of the game is. So, um, really happy to see him out there and and putting the ball in the net and, and playing really great defense and just just being an overall awesome teammate and fun guy to be around. So really happy for him
0: we don't want to give too many guys big heads cause he keep pumping their tires, but um, Robert <laughs> Hudson has, has finally gotten healthy and, and he's back in your lineup and, and he's been scoring you know, every game that he's played in so far. What has he meant to your, to your defense in your transition game as just another steady presence in that back end? He's been great. Um, came in first
2: game scoring two goals um then scored in the next weekend too being super steady on the back end it's it's been a, a pleasant surprise having him around uh i didn't get to see too much of him in training camp i think he went down the first weekend in our yeah. in our second session so didn't really get to see too much of him before the past couple of games and that guy's an absolute gamer. he goes on the floor and and nothing stands in between him and, and his job and he's going to get it done um whether that's on defense or running the ball up the floor or putting it in the net so um it's awesome that we have him on our team and just shows how many weapons we have on our on our back end he was a guy that wasn't in our lineup for the first what six games and now he's been in for the past four and we've been successful i apologize guys, if i'm wrong on those numbers but be better uh, with your math man come on yeah i know <laughs> i need to get better um but yeah he's he's been awesome for us and just for him to step in and and find a role immediately is pretty impressive, especially with the group that we have back there. Um, we have a ton of depth, so um, good problem for us to have with uh, with yeah. a bunch of great defensemen back there. Even even a guy like Kieran McKay, he hasn't really been in our lineup this year, and but he's a guy that grinds and he's played for us last year. Awesome defenseman, but just it's tough with with the guys that we have back there, and and um, well we'll see how things go moving forward. But yeah, we have a ton of guys in the back end that are really good
1: are we sure tanner cook's not a time traveler because it seems like he was just picked up from the old school air of lacrosse and, and put in here how much fun is it watching him go out on offense and just be an absolute throwback
2: yeah it's really fun and uh, the best part about it is that i don't have to defend him <laughs> if i was on the other side of what he's doing on the offensive side of the ball i would be in trouble that guy's a absolute wrecking ball um works his tail off he's awesome moving bodies, getting Jesse space, creating space for himself. And he's really come into his own with his outside shot. He's stinging corners now too. So dangerous player and for years to come and uh, really happy he's on our team. So um, hopefully I never have to play defense on him. That's all I got.
0: (laughs) (laughs) He's one of those guys that, you know, just being around you guys so often calling TSN games and just getting to know guys, he's one of the most lighthearted kind of jokester guys, always got a smile on his face. It's great to have the super ultra competitive guys, but it's also vitally important to have those guys that know when a joke is for the right time and, and to keep the guys in the mood light.
2: Yeah, he's got a great pulse. Um, he's he's always cracking jokes and making sure that we're we're having a good time. Um, but with that being said, like when it comes down to business, he can also flip that switch. So um he's he's really happy go lucky on our side with when he's on our bench but then when he gets out on the floor he's got a pretty big fu mentality where he's not gonna <laughs> let you stand in the way of whatever he wants to do
0: uh, i want to before we get on to to the philly game this weekend jesse king just continues to evolve as not only a, a player but a captain and as a leader what's it like having him be sort of the voice for you guys in that room and I just love his fiery passion, even in shoot rounds. he's always making sure you guys are on task.
2: It's impressive. Um we'd be in trouble if we didn't have him that's that's for sure. Um, he's got a, a huge voice. He's got the a great work ethic. We know he's putting in the work during the week. he He'll send us some of his workouts in in the group chat, and he's in the gym for two hours. I'm like, what the heck are you doing? <laughs> so uh, you know he's putting in the effort away from the field, and it shows. Like the, I think the guy's what third or fourth in points in the league. Mm-hmm. Um, and you wouldn't never know by the way that he's out on the floor. He's always sharing the ball, working hard for his teammates, and and making the right play. So really happy to see him him having a great year, and and like you said, it's even even better for us to have him in the locker room and being a the leader for us and the voice for our team so um super pumped that he's he's my captain and uh i will follow his lead every weekend we're out there
1: but you head into philly afternoon game we've seen teams fall asleep that sleepy philly game on a saturday how important is it for you guys to keep moving forward and, and not allow yourselves to fall in that lull, especially going up against the Philly team, which I, I think you can argue that in that locker room, they might be saying this is a must win for them.
2: Yeah. Playoffs are, are starting early for those guys for sure. And we, we know that and we got to be ready for it. Um, the record does not speak for how talented that team is and how, how good they can be on any given night. Uh Higgins is a, a really tough matchup. There's games where I've played where you cannot put the ball past them. Um, it's, it's tough being on, on that side of it. But, um, and then you look at their offense, like they've got a ton of weapons all over the, all over the floor. So cannot take this one lightly. Can't take anyone in this league lightly for that matter. Um, but yeah, we, we know this is going to be a battle. They're fighting for their lives. they, got a tough draw with a really, really tough schedule at the start of the year. So um, we know that they're going to come out there and want to split this series and probably try to try to get that tiebreaker if they uh, end up winning the game by more than we did. So uh, we know they're coming out fired up and we got to match it.
0: What what do you think of the unified standings now that we're kind of talking about back-to-backs?
2: I think it's really cool that we get to play um, all of the other teams in the league and uh, we get – Players coming to our market that our fans have never seen. Uh, Jeff Teat coming to the Roughhouse for the first time. That's a guy that everyone wants to see play. So really cool in that aspect. Um, I did like the the Western rivalries, um, but I'm sure we'll still have them. But we just don't get to play those teams enough. And and uh, curious to see how the playoffs shake out. It'd be interesting if we see a a Halifax and uh, Vancouver series. I'm not sure how that would end up working yeah. out in the Best of three. So, um, don't envy the NLL and, and league office trying to, <laughs> trying to figure that out schedule wise, chat with them every Tuesday. And that's, that's something that's been coming up lately. So we'll see how that shakes out. But, um, I like that we get to play everyone, we get to kind of measure ourselves up with the top dogs in the league on both sides of the, of the, of the country, the East, West, or I guess continent for that matter, North America. Um, but yeah, we'll see how it goes. I'm, um, I don't, I don't have any uh, complaints right now. I'm just happy to be able to play everybody.
1: <laughs> I want to shift to the, the PA and, and the league, obviously with your role, I believe this is the, the last year of the CBA. I could be wrong, but. Um, well, it, uh,
2: if, next year will be the last
1: one. Next year. Okay, perfect. So, um, you know, with that being said you still do have a a full year but is there any discussions about you know potentially extending the current deal rather than waiting to you know once that deal ends to then go and and start negotiating a new one uh conversations
2: have i guess lightly begun on successor cba um probably won't happen until the off season just with all the stuff going on with playoffs and stuff, but we're, we're on it. Um, we're starting to get feedback from, from some of our guys on uh, teams around the league and we're going to get together at the end of this season and and try to figure out what, uh, where we, where we can start. But, um, we're, we're both, we're both looking forward to a bright future. Um, model of the league is the next major league. So I, I, I'm a true believer in that, in that, that saying. So, uh, hopefully we can make it happen, but um, just overall, really happy with the re- relationship that we have with the NLL. Uh, they're super transparent; they let us know everything that's going on, and we're able to kind of bounce ideas off them. And hopefully, they appreciate the communication that we have on on that side. With then just being kind of in touch with the players, but um, yeah, we're we're getting ahead of the next CBA. Don't don't anticipate it coming down to the wire. At least I really don't hope. I really don't want it to. I don't think they want it to either. But yeah, we'll see how things go. And you never know what's going to happen until you sit down at the table.
0: Obviously, you know, f- over the last decade, we've transitioned through a few different GMs. Um, where does Brett Frood stand on the list of workable GMs or workable commissioners? Sorry. First of all, he's a lacrosse
2: guy. Um, I think that's a huge advantage. Went to Brown. He coaches high school lacrosse to get kids that play. So, um, i think that's a huge positive right now um just right off the bat and then second of all his his business sense is is remarkable he's super super smart hard worker um a lot of the times you'll he'll be talking to us about his his 10 hour 10 hour day where he's on calls so you know the guy's working um but i think Brett is is awesome for the league um some of the stuff that he's saying is is just kind of like light bulbs popping off in your head. Why didn't we do this five years ago type of thing? Um, but he's going to be a great leader for us and bringing all the teams together and, and making sure that they're all on the same page and we can move forward together and, and helping, helping our existing owners make sure that they're successful. Um, the New York, the New York move to Ottawa is, is really promising. We think that that's an awesome market in Ottawa and hopefully that we can draw in some of those Montreal fans at that, that game in the, unbox series so 6500 fans none of them with montreal jerseys on just going to watch mm-hmm. the cross so um promising future for us in in the east and um yeah i think brett is is awesome for the league and he's gonna take take this thing and run with it and i'm really excited to see what happens under his leadership
1: on that note what do you think of the unbox series and where do you think uh this thing can go uh in the future
2: i think it's really cool um like it's shocking to me how many people still don't know about box lacrosse um at this day and age uh, i could even just be walking down the street someone will see my lacrosse stick and they'll ask if i play i'll be like yeah i play box lacrosse they're like well what is that um so the fact that we're getting into these new markets and and being able to showcase our product is awesome it gives me kind of vibes back in the old nhl days where they were touring around playing games neutral sites so um just getting more exposure out to new markets. And uh, there's a lot of interest from a lot of markets and getting a team. So um, not sure where the next one is. I don't, I don't know if it's happening anytime soon, but um, the unbox series is, is where we got to start. We got to get sticks in hands at a young age, get them excited about our sport. Um, I was an eight year old and picked up a stick for the first time. I had no clue what was ahead of my, ahead of me in my future with the sport. So really hoping that that's the case for a lot of young kids. and there's there's a lot of opportunities in our sport. go to college, go play professional, go coach. Uh, there's there's a bunch of different things that we can do just from from playing the game. So the inbox series is is very exciting and a great start for uh, for the young lacrosse fans out there.
0: The game was obviously played on that that new turf that that they're kind of experimenting with and that, that turf's being used out in Langley and Peterborough and I think Brampton has it as well do you guys have a say in the turf situation throughout the league because that turf in Laval was you know literally smooth
2: so the turf is an interesting topic um I will agree the turf in Laval was was super flat um I was curious the feedback we were going to get um the guys liked it no traction issues uh some guys said sticks might have been getting caught a little bit in the turf with the length but then we talked with the league and they the next field can control the length of the turf and they can do a lot of cool things so hopefully we can find a spot where we have the turf in in a at a length that we like and a density that we like and it can be completely flat um but back to your to your original point we don't necessarily have a say in the turf so the way it would work is if If I step on the floor um, in Calgary and it's bumpy and there's a a chunk missing and there's a hole here and whatever, if it's not suitable for us to play, the only option that we would have as players is to not take the field and play the game. Um, Obviously, last thing that we want to do as players um and it has not happened in our uh in our past with the league i think there's been a couple close calls with some some different issues i think shoes was one of them back in the day guys wanted shoes and they were (laughs) not taking the floor they got them um but with uh with turf it's it's uh it's a management right things the the teams have uh control over that but we're lucky that the nll is willing to work with us and we have steady communication between Brian, uh, Max, and Brett with how guys like it and and what we want as players. So um, excited for for what we can come up with with this with this new venture, and uh, we'll see where it goes. But um, the fact that it was completely flat is a huge positive for us. There's guys that have had unfortunate injuries, um, just rolling ankles and stuff on a on a bumpy turf or a logo or anything like that. So if we can eliminate that. That's a huge
1: win for us. Does there seem to be a concerted effort for, for players to get to full-time? We're seeing more of it.
2: Um, you look around the league, there's there's a lot of guys that are uh, tailoring their lifestyle towards being full-time players, whether that's a mix of um, just f- playing and coaching or playing and having a, a flexible remote job where you can you can be able to to go work out when you want and and be where you want and travel to places early. Um, but I think that there's a lot of younger guys in our league that are that are seeing the the blueprint that has been made from a few players previously um, that people are following. Um, I would I would call myself a full time lacrosse player. I juggle a bunch of different hats, but um, everything that I do is lacrosse related. So I'm I'm very fortunate to be one of those guys um but the number of number of players that are doing what i'm doing is growing and if we can get to a spot where um either even half of our league or three quarters of our league is full-time that would be great i don't know how that happens that's what we need to work with the league on and see see what we can do moving forward mm. to either get guys paid more or living in market or get them jobs and where they're playing there's a million different factors that would lead into guys being full-time lacrosse players but Hopefully we can see that in the near future and it's it's really exciting seeing the young guys come in and they can play in our league, they can play in the summer, you can make a livable salary and and kind of figure things out as you go. You do a bit of coaching on the side and you're, you're definitely having a, a livable salary and good lifestyle. So
0: hopefully we can see more of that moving forward. Does the NLL need to bring back the all-star game and side question, do the players want an all-star game?
2: I've been getting this question a lot lately, and I, frankly, don't know the answer. Um, I feel (laughs) like there's probably a split between guys who want to do it and go and have a fun weekend in wherever LA or Nashville or wherever the All-Star game is, or even Calgary or Toronto in an existing market with our teams. Um, Guys would be really pumped up to do it. And then the other side is that I know there are players that have – kids like I let's take uh I don't know Tom Schreiber for example he's he's an all-star he's a great player he's got a wife and kid at home he's probably he actually has two kids he's the second one um so um he's probably a guy that wants the weekend off to hang out with them and he's playing lacrosse year-round so I don't know what the consensus would be I feel like it would be probably a split It would be awesome to have a weekend where we can do some skills competitions and fun stuff. I don't know how it works schedule wise with having a full on stop unless it's at Christmas or new year's. And then again, you have guys that want to be with family. So it's a, it's a good question and I wish I had a better answer for you. I just really don't know. I really
0: don't. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, I know you're going to have an answer for this one. When is the next warrior commercial coming out with you and your brother? (laughs) (laughs)
2: i actually don't have an answer for that one i think we ran we ran through our our last gauntlet we got them all out there but i'm sure we'll be doing them again soon uh they're always so fun to do and uh great sponsor with warrior and and everything that they do for us and and happy to be able to reciprocate whether that's through um pushing their product or or hopping on social media and doing some funny videos
0: so um yeah i don't know stay tuned hopefully (laughs) soon (laughs) uh zach we appreciate your time as always my man uh it's been a, a busy week for yourself off to philadelphia for an afternoon game best of luck my man appreciate the time uh good luck obviously with the the pa stuff and moving this league forward you're doing an incredible job and uh just happy to see that the league is moving in a positive direction appreciate you my man talk soon thanks for having me One of the quietest, humblest, but funniest guys in the national cross, Zach Courier, Uh, great chatting with him. And especially being able to dive into the insights of the NLLPA. Because them having a honest, open conversation with the commissioner, the board of governors and all that can only benefit the league moving forward.
1: It it seems like it's a very healthy relationship that the league, the commissioner, and the PA have right now. Um, it's it's a, he nailed it on the head with with Brett Food being a lacrosse guy. It's it's phenomenal, but at the same time, you can't just be a lacrosse guy. You you, you got to have the the business background which he has, and yeah. I I think. It can't be too much of a of a happy – like you have to have some infighting because yes. there's yeah. no growth. And it seems like there is that perfect balance right now. They're getting along really well. They have the same vision, but when you look – like their, their end goal is the same. Yeah. They have some other things where they differ, which is healthy, which you need. And I think they have the perfect balance of that right now. We've yeah. seen – in in your, in leagues before where you know the owners have too much power or you see where players have too much power like in the NBA um you need to have a little bit of both and i feel like this is the healthiest we've seen owner player relationship and that that that's a big thing with the commissioner like he is the liaison between both and i yeah. think he's doing a really damn good job of it
0: yeah you know the how, how both sides want to get to the top of the mountain, they're two very different paths. And mm-hmm. I've always said that, you know, the players can't get too greedy and ask for too much of a pay jump too quickly because the owners will just say no and then you're way far apart. You just have to understand the gradual growth. And, you know, he talked about getting to full time. And yeah, obviously we all want that. But it's it's not easy. I, I, I think it's going to be tough excuse me, for the next couple of years, while there's still sort of that, and everyone's always going to have families, but there's still a bit of that old guard where people are so already set in their life that they're not going to be able to say, Hey, you know what? I live in the GTA, but I'm, and I'm not going to move my whole family to Philadelphia or to San Diego or to Colorado or wherever Saskatoon. Right. So it's going to take time to get to a place where everybody lives in market. But we have to all see at the same point that the only way we get the full time is when we have guys living in the market. So guys are going to have to make that sacrifice and understand that, OK, you know what? We have to slowly grow our pay scale, but, you know, I might have to move. I might have to, you know, just like in every other pro sport, when a guy gets traded, you know, the wife and kids may stick around for the rest of the year. And then he moves and stays in an apartment or whatever. And then the year after, everybody falls. We're going to have to get to that point. Mm -hmm. But it's going to have to, like Zach said, where we're at a a comfortable, healthy, living wage through all of lacrosse to get us there. And, uh, you know, it's going to take time. But as long as they don't get us to one of those 11th hour late night meetings where we're all sitting here saying, shit, are we going to have a lockout? Is there going to be a work stoppage or anything like that? So. Um, So thanks to Zach as always for giving us some insight into the Roughnecks, but more importantly to the players union and everything that goes on behind the scenes. Are you ready for this week's Jersey journey? I think I'm going to stump
1: you. I'm ready. I think I'm ready. I'm scared, but I'm ready.
0: Play along everybody. Who is this national lacrosse league player started his career in Rochester for three years. Went to Vancouver for half a year, then to Minnesota for half a year. Stayed with the team when they went to Georgia. Was there for two and a half. And then ended his career with two years in Toronto. Pat Gregoire, who is this player?
1: I don't know if we do lifelines. But I'm (laughs) assuming it's when you say Vancouver, that means the Vancouver Stealth. Correct. Okay. So, you said Nighthawks. Rochester,
0: van. Van to Minnesota. Stayed with the franchise down to Georgia. Then to New England. And finished his career in Toronto.
1: Is this.
0: Oh, he's got a guess already.
1: The four-time NLL champion. Johnny Pop powerless it is yes god damn
0: it i thought i had a good one there
1: you did i thought i had a good you did one. but yeah i just like to thank my family for leaving <laughs> me keeping the streak live um i am gonna get stumped one of these days one and of these
0: know? days one of us will stump the other but not today <laughs> but, not, but not today, Satan. Not today. Um, OTCB parlay is up. Last week, uh, the th- the uh, rip Let us Let's see if we can get back on the horse.
1: Time now for box bets. Your source for all the lines, odds, and props from across the world of lacrosse. Brought to you by CoolBet.com. Stay cool. Bet responsibly. <laughs> hey, we're having a good day, lads.
0: And uh, we're still in the mix, baby. All right, box steps, <laughs> um, Busy week in the National oh, League. Yeah. A lot of odds and opportunities for people to join along. But last week, we had New York, San Diego, Toronto, Halifax all to win. But unfortunately, the loss by New York and Colorado spoiled the victory. This week, we each picked two. We put them together for a great number, thanks to the Cool Bet fans.
1: Yeah, this is this is a a big spot for us. We tasted some victory um but it it's been a bit of a struggle since then. So we're going to get back on the horse like you mentioned. It's uh nah. it's a great number. I I think it's like you said, you picked two, I picked two. Can't be any finger pointing here. We didn't get the poll up. May or may not have been by design, but here's what we want. <laughs> So we have the Georgia Swarm plus one and a half Friday night game in Halifax. We've got the Warriors and the Bandits over 23 and a half. There's that doubleheader TSN. Watch it. Watch it. Watch it. Then we move on. The Roughnecks just to win. That's it. All they got to do. Beat Philadelphia. Philadelphia. And then we wrap things up with the seals and the rock Two Orangeville goalies going toe to toe under 23 and a half before the boost plus nine 12. I told Teddy, you know what? Once the polar bears get the paws on it, we're going to get it to about, I'd say plus a thousand. I was wrong. Oh, we're getting plus 10, 25 an even better number than expected so um, the parlay is up now so while we're recording it it's already up so by the time this is in your ears you can go over to the exclusive tab you'll click that there Um, obviously all our other exclusives will be up for that day we're gonna get more NLL exclusives it looked like you guys enjoyed betting some of those exclusives the the kids are all right parlay I (laughs) believe it was uh, Ty Kurtz and Alex Simmons both over five points, and the Albany Firewolves to win that one cash no problem at all. So, we'll get more of the daily exclusives up for this weekend. We'll got to get our OTCB parlay up there, the Lax Class parlay will be up there. And, um, you said it, Teddy. This slate is massive, meaning there is so many opportunities. Uh, to sprinkle uh, and make your watching experience of the NLL just that much more exciting. Not that you need it. No. But it certainly will will up the ante. Uh
0: I do not bet on the National Lacrosse League, but I will be taking the Edmonton Sports Talk parlay um for tonight. McDavid, two-plus points. Dry Saddle, one-plus goal. Bouchard, one-plus point. And the Oilers to win in regs. Hammer it plus 475. So uh thanks to you guys on the lock shop and the uh Edmonton Sports Parlay. I, l- I love that. I love that I can get some you know tailored bets to my fandom.
1: Yeah, and uh the way that uh the oilers have been playing, um depends which team shows up, but when that good team shows up, man, those Edmonton those Edmonton Sports Talk parlays have been cashing. Really, really really well so um, are you having fun
0: talking with those guys being a Leafs fan you guys just go back and forth
1: oh it's great I love it I absolutely love it uh, during that seven game winning stretch it was great yeah. but, uh, after losing to Vegas I was on the show today they didn't bring that up we were talking more golf so I kind of <laughs> went under the radar on that one with those guys because uh, I was not very kind yeah. To, uh, to the Edmonton folks when you guys were struggling at the start of the year. So yeah. as they say, what goes around comes around. And uh, I got a taste of it for a bit. But now both teams are playing well. So everyone's happy. Tell do you that. want to get
0: in on all of the fun, head over to coolbet.com. Oh, what do you got? Oh, no, no, know.
1: no. Because remember last week, we didn't get to give the folks an update on the NLL Cup. Off. Oh, yeah. Those are up. And uh, we can, I'll run down them real quick. So, Toronto Rock are your favorites at plus 300, San Diego Seals plus 450 in second, then a pretty big drop off. The Buffalo Bandits still they're five, at 500, the odds makers still believe in them, they are plus 600. Albany, believe it or not, plus 800 uh, to win the NLL Cup, Halifax plus 850, Georgia plus 900. Uh, and then the New York Riptides tides uh, plus 1500 Calgary roughnecks plus 1700 Hammer That bet folks, that Hammer one, been, that, that one has been moving fast every week. It just drops and drops and drops. You're not going to get a better number at that this year. I'm sorry. It's just not going to happen. If you think the roughnecks are going to win bet it now, because it, the, the odds are just going to get shorter and shorter Rochester, believe it or not, and this must be, again, go into some risk. There must be some risk on the Nighthawks to win. But despite that six game losing skid, they are 21 to 1 that's to wild. win. They've got better odds than Panther City Lacrosse Club at plus uh, 23. <laughs> Who are in the playoffs. <laughs> the Philadelphia Wings, 40 to 1. The Colorado Mammoth, 40 to 1. Eh, if you're looking for a long shot, maybe yeah. that's your choice there the rush 50 to 1 the las vegas desert dogs 80 to 1 and the lowly vancouver warriors at what one, plus 150,000 so <laughs> no that's not right <laughs>
0: 150,000 No, sorry. no no more than
1: 1500
0: no sorry 15,000 Yes, 50. You went too 000. high. I went too low. Went they're, too, yeah, exactly. they're 150 low. to
1: one. Yes, exactly. There you go. 150 <laughs> you got to 1. Got Which uh, just look, looking here. So yeah. uh a, a one dollar bet for uh for Vancouver to win. You're getting 151 bucks back on your bet. A five dollar bet gives you 906. Um I don't know if I would be, be be advising people to do that, but hey, you never know, crazier things that happen.
0: Um $10 on the rough next win, we'll get you uh, 180 bucks. I like that. But, uh, just just, just what's out there. Uh, again, if you want to get involved uh, and play along with us or any of the other uh, bets that are out there on CoolBet, head to CoolBet.com. Uh, go to register. When you do, uh, go to the bottom, another green tab, type in the code OTCB, and our friends at CoolBet will double your initial deposit up to $200 so you can have some extra polar bear bucks in your pocket uh, week 14 in the national lacrosse. It starts Friday. Uh, we do have a TSN doubleheader: Georgia at Halifax, San Diego at Panther city, Toronto at Vegas, Buffalo at Vancouver to end the night, Saturday afternoon, lacrosse Calgary at Philadelphia, New York at Albany, Saskatchewan at Colorado, Toronto at San Diego. I said that game was Sunday, but it's actually Saturday. And then Sunday it's Rochester at Panther city. Um, did you know and i believe you do but if you happen to be listening to this somehow you are a sports fan and stumbled upon this podcast somehow and you live in the dallas fort worth area and you want the most valued ticket in the history of sports you can get a ticket to both panther city games this weekend friday night against san diego and Sunday against Rochester at the wonderful Dickies Arena. One ticket, two games, $18, Pat. You will never, ever find the ability to go to a prof- professional sports game, two of them, for $18. That, as positive as we are in this show, that throws up a billion red flags to me.
1: Yeah, that, that's – well, hey, I mean, that is probably the best bang for your buck that you'll get in mm. pro sports considering, I mean, you're going to get the San Diego Seals, So you're going to get some of the best lacrosse players on the planet on one night. And then on Sunday, you're getting a Rochester team. I know they've lost six straight, but they still have an electric offense and a yeah. team that's super entertaining. And, oh, yeah, your hometown team in Fort Worth is also – sitting in a playoff spot in fifth to be exact Mm -hmm. um unbelievable but yeah you're right definitely some red flags uh there's been rumblings going on 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 twitter about the future of that franchise and yeah i mean you'd be crazy not to think that they're trying to figure out what's going to be there for the future but if you're interested go out you can find what's rumbling there and um it's, it's just unfortunate because this is such a fun team to watch and, and they deserve better. Yeah. And, uh, you know, <laughs> a, f- a five and four team, um, you know, the fact you that you get 500 fans, eight, 18 bucks to get inside <laughs> that arena is just insane to me. Um, and usually with the
0: National Lacrosse League, when there's smoke, there's fire. So we'll just kind of sit back and, and watch the fire erupt. Uh Is there a game this weekend other than obviously the TSN game games that we're both doing Um that you're most excited for? Uh Is there a game this weekend that you think is maybe a pivotal game for both clubs, like the biggest sort of games of the weekend? And I know there's a few out there.
1: So uh great questions because that was kind of a double, double end, uh, double-edged sword there so the game i'm looking forward to the most besides the double header on tsn starting at 6 30 eastern uh four pacific I, four okay so so six
0: seven eastern
1: seven eastern see i Sorry. tried to,
0: yeah seven eastern eight atlantic
1: so i i, tr- I tried to, i tried to plug it i couldn't even plug it properly but anyway <laughs> tsn double header friday night don't miss it don't miss it don't miss it Besides those um the game that certainly just jumps off the page for me just when i first saw the schedule toronto rock against san diego seals um i know it's back to back for both teams but i think that kind of levels the playing ground does it not like they're both going to be coming off it at the same time yeah they both have to travel home or travel to san diego some people you talk to some players they actually don't mind the doubleheader they feel like they're more more not not necessarily fresh, but it's more in tune. The sticks stay hotter. So there's no disadvantage for either team. Both of them are coming off a game and, uh, you know, yeah, Toronto's nicked up pretty good. They're banged up, but they're a team that anytime they, they touch the turf, they're must-see TV. The San Diego Seals coming off that massive win. We'll see what happens with them against Panther City, but – um, just heavyweight power. Yeah. Looking forward to that one. The most pivotal, I will say though, and it's definitely not the two sexiest teams right now when you look at the standings. But uh, for me, it's the rush against the mammoth. The loser of the it's a loser leaves town game. I I, <laughs> I really do. It, especially if Colorado loses and they drop the four and eight, I yeah. just don't see how they have the capabilities to jump the rush jump the desert dogs jump the riptide and then possibly even some other teams that are in playoff spots that might drop down i just don't see it so for me that's the most important on the schedule how about yourself yeah
0: um uh, outside of you know that bandits warriors game that starts at seven o'clock pacific time on tsn set your pvrs Mm -hmm. um I can't remember what Jamie Dowick said to me when we were talking to him in Calgary post game um, about this doubleheader. I can't remember if he's, I'm pretty sure he said that after the game, they're all hopping on a bus and driving from Vegas to San Diego. He's like, we're getting out of town, leaving. I can't, but I can't remember if he said they're flying or they're driving. I kind of think he said they're all hopping on a bus, but that's going to be quite the bus ride. Uh, It's five hours by car if you're going regular speed limits, so I'm not sure how long it'll take a bus to get there. But I I love your comment about Saskatchewan-Colorado being uh, a pivotal game. I think Calgary-Philadelphia is a massive game. But I'm looking forward to New York-Albany. I think this is going to be an unbelievable game. Um, Again, I think it's a a bounce-back opportunity for the Riptide. It's another prove-me-wrong game for the Albany Firewolves um you know they just continue to be the talk of the nl as good as toronto and san diego would have been i don't think anybody really expected this firewolves team to be this good to have the start that they did and and make it last and and continue like no we said it off earlier nobody ever ever thought they would take two from the buffalo bandits nobody did mm-hmm. and and they did it and and now they're you know they're still tied of to the top of the nll as we go to the back half of the season. But I think for the New York Riptide, you know, the tough loss against New York or Toronto, the tough loss against Colorado, the the second half woes, this is going to be a, a pivotal game for the New York Riptide if they're going to be true playoff contenders. And if they want to host a home playoff game, I think they're going to have to win this one. So that's the game that I'm going to definitely be keeping my eyes on. But a, a great stagger of games throughout the week so you can Space out your days. You can watch a tunnel across from Friday all the way through Sunday. Funday, it is going to be an unbelievable game. I th- and I think that Toronto Vegas game is an ESPNU game as well. So, yes. our fans down in the US are able to, to watch a game on TV. AJ and Jumbo will have that game. So excited for those guys to call a game on ESPNU. Again, we'll have the double header on TSN, yourself, John Abbott, and the big dog, Ashley Docking, starting at eight o'clock Eastern time. And then myself, Brad and uh, Brad Chaloner and the little dog, Chantel Chan will have bandits and warriors from Rogers arena. It's crazy. to think that, and again, this is one of those great things about the unified standings for BC born guys, Chase Fraser and Josh Byrne. This is only the second time they've ever played out in BC. I think Josh actually played twice, but for a guy like Chase Fraser, this is only going to be his second time. So uh, going to be awesome to see those guys play in front of a ton of family and friends. Um, but that's, again, just one of the great things about the unified standings as we head to week 14, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven weeks to go after this one. It is getting down to crunch time. If the playoffs started today, Toronto at or Toronto hosting Calgary, Albany, Buffalo, San Diego, Georgia, Halifax, Panther City. What a wild, wild first round that would be. But every weekend, Patty, the standings change, the scenarios change, and the importance of every game
1: changes. It's the beauty of, of the unified standings. Yeah. You don't get some of the rivalries as much as you get. You don't see, you know, and that's really the only, I'm trying to think of other negatives. That's really the only negative I can think of. It it is, has been such a massive, massive success. And it's going to go down to the wire. Every game is going to mean something and it's, it's going to make the trade deadline more exciting. It's, Idris, I cannot begin to give my praises to the NLL for for thinking of this uh, and putting this together because we've always known there's been a lot of parity in the NLL. Um, Putting this on display is just showing you that um, any given week, anyone can win. And with the March to May now uh, unfolding, it's only going to get more exciting.
0: The time is now, if you're an NLL fan, to join in the fun games, obviously all on ESPN Plus and TSP and TSPN, ESPN Plus and TSN Plus, two games on TSN Linear, one game on ESPN U Linear. So tons of opportunities to watch the NLL. Thanks to Zach Courier for stopping by and giving us some time. Continue great work with the PA. And the Roughnecks, he is Pat Gregoire. Find him on Twitter at Pete Greggy. I am at Teddy Jenner. The show at OTCB underscore podcast or on the Instas at OTCB podcast. Until we speak again, enjoy the games this weekend. If you take a friend, take two, buy him a beer, maybe even a pocket dog if you're in Calgary. And we'll talk to you next week. Stay safe and be excellent to each other.